I love that piece. I love that. I love that story, and I love those kids. Um, it's been such a great journey um, here these last five years, and I've loved the re-series. I've loved the idea of repeating or looking back again at some of the messages to our church that have been anthems, that have been mantles that we wear. And this idea of regeneration is one that we won't stop talking about because I believe it's even prophetic in the moment that we're living in and God's heart for this generation that really has been devastated by the world and really do resemble the Valley of Dry Bones. And yet God has such a plan and such a will. We have so much to journey with, uh, journey together with today. And I'm so eager to bring you this message, uh, but I believe is so filled with hope. And I hope that you will receive it from the Lord. But it's a strong word, but it's a word so filled with love and so filled with passion for you. And getting in, in a second service, we've already walked through it once in first service and just our hearts are filled with anticipation of how he wants to encounter us and already has begun to encounter us in this gathering. Ezekiel 37 is one of my favorite passages, and you heard um, the first portion of the text in the come awake piece. But the last part of it, starting with verse 11, it says this, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh, my people, I am going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. So I have an honest question for you and I really hope for an honest answer. When, when the Lord starts talking like this and says he's going to open up your grave and bring you up from him, like seriously, how does that make you feel? Good? Okay, good. <laughs> You're all about that. Okay. Does anybody feel like that's a little spooky? Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like when you see these images of graves and digging them up and people coming up from them, it's like, and it does not conjure up this feeling of, yes, it's more like, or gross or messy. And it's always the scary part of the movie, right? Like whenever they start heading to the graveyard, the music changes and it's all frightening and scary. And so it's like, well, really, that sounds like a great idea, but that's kind of a, a frightening idea to have your grave opened up and to be called out of it. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the whole idea of regeneration. It's, it's a positive word and we like it. We sing songs about it. We write poems about it. We have sermons about it. And, and the whole mission of Highland here is to change life as we know it through the love, loyalty, and friendship, wowie, of Jesus Christ. Was that you? Sorry. That's okay. Hello. <laughs> you were trying to sneak. I know. <laughs> I thought it was like an earthquake. Okay. Um, so we like this idea and, and, and we talk about it a lot at Highland, but just for the last month, it's been really on me to go, what if God answers our prayers? 
he really does it? What if he really brings regeneration? I really believe he's going to. I really believe he has heard our prayers and he's going to bring it. And he is bringing it. But I, have, I want to submit to you, in fact, I feel like kind of a stirring of the Lord to say, you're a little bit afraid of it. Because regeneration brings change. And we say we want it, but then when the change comes, we're a little freaked out. Because we have a comfort zone. And God is moving us out of our comfort zone into regeneration, into new life. And we've become accustomed to death because we live in a culture that is sort of about death. And the Lord wants to bring life. And I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about regeneration. But I can tell you with certainty, I know how Jesus feels about it. It was the whole reason that he came. And he will never stop insisting on it. You see, it's not a question with him. It is what he came to do. He is life. And wherever he is, life comes. In fact, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about the moment that Jesus rose from the dead, which we're going to talk about in in a little bit. We'll be talking about it a lot in two weeks. And it says that when he rose from the dead, there was this great earthquake. And there were a bunch of holy people that got raised from the dead. And they started walking around the city talking about how Jesus was the son of God. And I don't know why that happened. But I wonder if it was because the power that rose Jesus from the dead was so powerful, it just woke everybody else up too. And they all just kind of came back, wow, woo, okay. Got to tell you about Jesus who just rose from the dead. Because when Jesus gets around, things start coming alive. Whether you want to or not, this is the mission of the God that we serve. Is he wants to come and bring life. And uh, case in point, I want to read to you today from John chapter 11. Ezekiel is a book of prophecy. And it's telling you about things that are going to happen. Well, the gospel of John is a testimony written by an eyewitness who is saying these are the things that have already happened. It's a history book. So one is prophecy, one is history. So John chapter 11 is a book of history. And it says this, verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Uh Uh-oh. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take away the stone. And Martha didn't think that was a very good idea. She's a woman. And we women need to take control of situations like that. So she goes to consult the Lord, give him a little advice (laughs) to say, well, you know what, Jesus, I'm sorry, but Lazarus has been dead for four days. And I know you probably don't know this, but he's already rotting. And so my brother stinks and we don't want to do that. 
And we laugh, but it's our reaction too. When Jesus comes near the stones that we've rolled over the dead places of our heart and he starts poking at them and saying, roll that stone away, we say, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't, don't expose me. Please don't humiliate me. People will see. People will know. It smells in there. Please leave that stone alone. Please don't disturb it. But life can't help disturbing death. Jesus will always disturb death because he is the resurrected life. Everywhere he walks, he disturbs death. And whenever you get around him, the dead things in you start pulsing because there's something in you aching to come alive. And Jesus is saying, I agree, roll the stone away. There's something in you that resists. But let me tell you this, when Jesus comes to a grave, he doesn't come to lay flowers. When Jesus comes to a graveside, he is not coming to pay his respects. That's, that's what we do. When Jesus comes to a grave, he's not coming to honor the dead. He's coming to raise the dead. He is the resurrection and the life when he comes around. He's not coming to pat you on the back and go, I'm sorry. I remember when that thing happened and you, and you died. Poor thing. Let me lay a flower there. That's the kind of stuff we say to each other. That's what we pay counselors to do. But Jesus says, move that stone. Roll it away. And I don't know the name of your stone. But we all have stones that we've named. And we, and we buried it there. And we put a no trespassing sign on that stone. Some of us put a big old stone of pride over the area of our heart that has died And some of us put cynicism over that place of our heart that has grown bitter. And you can kind of feel it when you get near that stone in somebody because sometimes they get real stiff-necked. Other times they get real cynical. Sometimes they start poking and knocking and pushing back and just know you got pretty close to a stone that needs to be rolled away. Ezekiel 11, 19 says this, another prophecy I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. But for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, those rocks that you hide behind, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. So Jesus is standing there going, really, truly, you'd rather have death? You'd rather hang on to that rock? Seriously? Than to come out and let me make you new and heal you? Roll the stone away. I know that when you've maybe tried in your past to come out from behind that stone, there was a school friend or a coworker that mocked you or had a one-liner that broke your heart. And so you went back behind the rock and you just decided, I'll never come out again. But just can I, can I help you understand that it's not a school friend or a coworker on the other side of the rock today. It's Jesus and he isn't here to mock you. He's here to heal you. But you have to receive his instruction to roll the stone away. 
Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And it's no mistake why he says what he says. I love it. That's a freak out moment. I hope y'all haven't read it so many times that you're numb to it. Mary and Martha had to be thinking, what did you just say? I wrapped him up. He stinks. I, I put spices, but still. And you're saying, Lazarus, come out. I'm telling you, every eye had to be staring at that black hole. Going, what is about to happen here? Lazarus, come out. Yes, come out into the light, just as you are. Show everybody that you're dead. And the next verse says, the dead man came out. That's one of the funniest verses in the Bible to me. There's a lot of funny ones, but that's a funny one. How does that happen? He's obviously not dead. But the dead man came out of his grave. Lazarus, come out, stop hiding in the dark. And I have a word that I really want to say, especially to Gen X, my generation, the boomer generation, and the great generation. Those three generations particularly have a message, a word for you about this. It is my experience and my testimony that those three generations in my lifetime have had a terrible time coming out. I remember many, many years of sitting in churches where I'd feel the spirit of God moving and I'd hear the pastor's voice pleading for the come out. And I would feel the church be seized with fear and pride and the next grow stiff. And we would refuse to come out. We just don't talk about things like that. That's not appropriate for public discussion. Really? Where is that in the scriptures? That is a cultural generational thought that flies in the face of the risen Christ. And we have got to stop embracing it. That our unrepentance is what has rendered the church ineffective in America. It's because we have clung to our sin and we rolled a stone in front of it and we won't talk about it. Well, who are you surprising? Like Jesus doesn't see. So come out. Come out, Gen X. Come out, boomers. Come out, great generation. Yes, we talk about that stuff. We talk about it in uh, repentance. We talk about it on our knees in prayer. Jesus lives in the light. The enemy reigns in the darkness. You want to stay in the stranglehold of the enemy? Then stay in the closet. Stay in the dark. Keep your secrets. And watch him destroy your family, destroy your life. He is here to kill, still, and destroy. And as long as you stay in the dark, he is Lord of the darkness. <sighs> or you could run into the light and just go, it's me. It's me. I have failed. I have sinned. I have been weak. I was so afraid of doing that myself. But when I was about 20 or 21 years old, I learned the secret, the power and the joy of repentance. And I became so thirsty and hungry for it. And I publicly repented in front of my whole church. It was my greatest fear. But I did. I stood in front of them and I said, here is who I really am. I know who you think I am. But here is who I am. I have failed sexually. I have struggled with anorexia. I have issues with idolatry. I am vain. I am broken. I am a mess. And God forgive me. And you forgive me. And what happened that Sunday is I was surrounded by people crying in my, on my shoulder saying, me too. Me too. I'll tell that testimony till I die to the American culture. Say it's a lie. Stop hiding in the dark. 
come out, Lazarus. Come out. I know you're dead. No secret. Come out. And now I have an additional word that I'd like to add to the millennial generation. Now, millennial generation, listen to me. All the words I just said to the other generations apply to you. Come into the light. But there's one more word that I want to add. In the last decade of ministry to the millennial generation, I've noticed something different about you. You don't seem to have a hard time coming out. It's been different. In 25 years of ministry, in the last decade, when I talk to millennial generations, they don't have a hard time going, I'm a sinner. It's true. You guys don't have, there's nothing really sacred about you. You just talk about everything. In detail, for long times. You wear t-shirts with it on it. You know, this is who I am. You just come out. This is me. You know, we told you to believe in yourself for 20 years and you bought it. You do. You just come out. You know, and, and you wave a flag. This is my Ill, this is my issue, or here's my failure, or here's my problem. Deal with it. Well, I want to tell you that Jesus had one more word to Lazarus after he came out. He said, "This take off your grave clothes. Take off your grave clothes. I didn't heal you so you could walk around the rest of your life like this. Yeah, I came out of my grave, but I never took off the the postures and the habits that belong to death. Take them off." Jesus wants you free, totally free. And uh, some of those habits and postures that I was praying, there's so many, but a few that came to my mind were things like this. But wait, people might not recognize me if, I, if I'm no longer the one who always falls apart all the time. People won't know me if I start walking in strength. Take off your grave clothes. Those things, those habits, they belong to somebody who is defeated. But you've met the resurrection power of Christ. Walk in strength. Wipe your tears. And if you cry again, blow your nose and wipe the tears and take a step. Walk on. But, but I don't know how to talk without being cynical and mocking. Learning to speak words that are full of faith. And trust and hope and love, that'll feel so strange. Take off your grave clothes. You don't need to talk like that anymore. Be born of the Holy Spirit. Speak his language of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Talk a new language, Lazarus. Take off the grave clothes. But what if, uh, I don't know, if I can start reaching out to other people and loving them instead of sitting and pouting and demanding that everyone comes to me because I'm the one left out. Take off your grave clothes. That attitude belonged to somebody who was dead, but you're alive. You've got the power of the love of Jesus Christ in you. There's other people to see and other people to love than to keep your eyes focused on yourself and your own victimness for your whole life. Rise up, O oh sleeper. Raise from the dead. Don't feel sorry for yourself. What will I say if I stop talking about myself all the time to make sure people know I'm important? Take off your grave clothes. There's somebody more important to talk about. Your significance comes because you are deeply loved by Jesus Christ. Be swallowed up in that story. 
And if you're going to talk about anything, tell that story. Lazarus, roll the stone away. Come out, take off your grave clothes. And the band can come. We're going to transition now. But this is all so strange, you say. You want to talk about strange? Go to Lazarus' house for dinner that night. I am so serious. What about the first time Lazarus goes grocery shopping? Oh, hey, Lazarus. Thought you were dead. Yeah, I was. I'm not now. Wow. How do you even go there? You know, he's having a night with friends and they're like, okay, tell us your most embarrassing moment. And then Lazarus is like, okay, well, there was this one time where I was dead and I was like totally covered in grave clothes and spices and uh, Jesus raised me from the dead and I come out. And I even wonder what Lazarus felt. Like, did the food of earth even satisfy him anymore? You know, Annie and I were talking this morning. When Lazarus heard Jesus calling his name, did he say, oh, bummer. Talk about death having lost its sting. Lazarus can look at death and go, been there, done that. Been there, done that. And I know what's on the other side. And let me tell you what, it is worth climbing out of this grave to know resurrected life, to know the one who can call my name and call me out of death. In closing, I just want to say this. The enemy is here to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to push at your life and push at your life and push at your life till he can push you right in the grave. And if America were not a free country, we would be facing literal death because that is the will of the enemy. That's why our brothers and sisters all over the world who are living in countries that are not free, they are being killed and murdered every day for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the will of the enemy to silence you shove you in the grave. Now in America, what he want, all he can do because we're free is he can hurt your feelings and he can mess up your marriage and he can destroy your life. It doesn't matter to him. He just wants you silent and dead. And that was demonstrated with Jesus. He pushed Jesus and pushed Jesus and pushed Jesus and Jesus submitted and Jesus fell in the grave and the enemy stood on top of it thinking he was victorious until the ground started shaking beneath his feet. And Jesus rose up from the dead and said, now what? Now what? You've got nothing on me. You took the worst tool you had, which is death, and I just swallowed it up. And Jesus pops out of the grave and he reaches his hand back in to all of us. He says, come on now, brothers and sisters, grab on. I'm the firstborn among the dead. I will pull you out. I will pull you out. Just grab on. Grab on to my resurrected power. Nope, you can't get out in your flesh, but my power can pull you out. And when you get out, take off the grave clothes. And there's a key phrase. When Lazarus comes out, Jesus looks at the people standing around him and he says to them, take off his grave clothes. And that is the mission of this church is to walk with you and help you take them off if you want to take them off. (laughs) Excuse me. (coughs) We're going to move into a time of communion and we need it. We need to participate in the death of Christ to drink down 
the juice that is symbolic of his blood, to eat the bread that is symbolic of his flesh. And we do it not just to stay at the remembrance of his death, but to say, I swallow down the blood of uh, the DNA of an overcomer. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead will raise me too, every day, every day. And as we're singing, and as you're being sung over this song that's about to come, receive it. Go to the communion tables, or if you want to, come here, or if you need to speak something out, out loud to a friend or a family member to come out, whatever it is, be obedient. Grab on to the hand of life and pull out. Jesus, with all my heart, I believe he is saying to this church, yeah, come in two weeks and celebrate my resurrection. But know that it's not just my resurrection, it's yours too. I rose for you. Don't just celebrate mine, celebrate your own. Jesus, I pray that we will receive the hope deep into the graves of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.